0: Listening to the Miracle Word Podcast, we believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. Hey, what's up everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. Again this week, Ted Shuttlesworth back with you. And uh, Happy New Year. It is uh, finally 2019 today. If you're listening to this on the day it was released, Monday the 7th of January. So our first actual podcast of the new year. And uh, if you can hear sirens in the background, I am here in the mean streets of Elizabeth City, North Carolina. We're holding a revival here. My father and I Sunday through Wednesday, and we've been having powerful meetings, people being saved, many people at the altar yesterday. And it's wonderful to see the miracles taking place. Supernatural things are happening. And uh, it's, it's really amazing. We need the gifts of the Spirit in operation like never before uh, in these last hours of time. I tweeted recently that miracles are the proof and were the proof that Jesus was the anointed one, the son of God, the Messiah, and they still are the proof today. They're still the proof today. There's no other God that can perform miracles other than our God. And, uh, when John's disciples came to Jesus and asked him, are you the one that we're waiting for? Or should we look for another? Jesus said, go back and tell John, the things that you've seen and heard, the blind see, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached unto them. He was pointing to his miracles as the proof that he was who he said he was. And the same is true today. Jesus Christ is alive and his miracles are the proof that he is. And uh, obviously, if you listen to this podcast, you know that we contend for miracles. We stand for for signs and wonders because God's word is a performance power. God's word is not given to us just so that we can have another religious book or another holy text uh, from antiquity. No, it is a substance that produces supernatural things. Jesus said in John chapter six and verse 63, the words that I give you or speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. So every word from God contains spiritual life. God said regarding his own word in Isaiah chapter 55 that when it comes forth out of his mouth, it doesn't ever come back to him empty or void, but it always accomplishes what he sends it to do and it prospers in the thing whereunto he sends it. So you understand that God's word comes out of his mouth and has creative force and power. And the same is true. I mean, the written word that we have today came out of God's mouth and it carries just as much power as the spoken word of God. And so we stand for and contend for the miraculous because that's what the word of God produces when mixed with faith. It produces miracles and we've been seeing them. 2018 was a mighty year of miracles. We saw more than ever before creative miracles. I mean, God rearranging people's organs uh so that they could have babies and I mean removing diseases, uh blind eyes coming open, cancer being healed. Supernatural things took place in 2018, but I believe 2019 is going to be an even greater year of miracles. And if you started by joining us in this time of fasting and prayer at the beginning of January, Uh, you'll be in that place where you're also expecting great things. And if you're not joining us, jump on with us. It's the 7th today, but we started on the 2nd. And this is a corporate public fast that we've called. Many people are joining it January the 2nd through the 22nd, 21 days of fasting and prayer as we expect great things from God and contend for supernatural things to take place in America and around the world. And You know, I'm not ashamed to be Pentecostal in experience. I'm not ashamed that I uh, believe in the miracle working power of God. I'm not ashamed that I speak with other tongues or believe in the moving and operation of the gifts of the spirit. I believe in divine healing, miracles, as you know, and all many of you that listen to this podcast, you're the same. Some of you might be listening, you're new and you don't know what this is all about yet, but I'm going to take today because one of the things that we need to talk about that I don't think is explained in depth often enough is the study of speaking in tongues. And I know that that is something that obviously is unique to the Pentecostal experience uh, because other denominations uh, do not believe in speaking with other tongues as a, a gift that is available today or in operation today. Uh, So we understand that it's something that's unique to Pentecostals, but I believe in speaking with other tongues. But today I really want to take this podcast to talk to you about three dangerous lies about speaking in tongues, three dangerous lies about speaking in tongues. There's so much controversy and misconception over the subject of speaking in tongues Maybe more than any other subject, it gets ridiculed and uh, it gets criticized by people that may not even understand what they're criticizing. They don't have an understanding of the subject of speaking in tongues. And so sometimes even things are taught regarding that subject that are not even doctrinally accurate or scripturally correct. And it does make a difference because what you believe in doctrine will govern how you act in your Christian life. Uh, if you don't believe that speaking in tongues is necessary, for example, then you won't pursue that gift to receive it in your own life. In fact, I was just talking to uh, somebody who is a scholar, a Bible scholar, and he's a pastor. And uh, he was telling me that his certain of his family members are in a Christian university right now, but the thinking in that college and in many of our Christian colleges today is is that although salvation is necessary, uh, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is something that is, you know, optional and not very important. It's something that if you feel you want to go that direction, that's up to you, that's your business, but it's not that important uh, of a thing as salvation is. And because that mindset is held in many of our universities and colleges, And in this generation in general, pastors are teaching that. Churches are teaching that. People don't have a strong desire to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that's a dangerous thing because you'll not find that in Scripture. You'll not find it taught that the baptism of the Holy Spirit was optional nor that it was unimportant. You'll find the opposite in the New Testament. You'll find that it was something that Jesus expected of his followers. And you'll find that it was something that was introduced To new believers everywhere in the book of Acts. Um, And so I'm gonna talk to you about three dangerous lies about speaking in tongues, and we're gonna get a little bit in depth with this, not in complex understanding, but I'm just gonna spend time talking about these things so that you do understand them when you're talking about the subject of speaking in tongues with other people. These kinds of things are important because Peter told us in the New Testament that it's very important that we have an answer ready to give when somebody asks us about the hope that we have. So I want to give you some answers today because these are common dangerous lies that are commonly talked about and told, uh, even in some Pentecostal circles, sadly, because people don't take the time to study the Bible. So let's jump into these. And if you have questions uh, regarding any of these points, these three points that we're going to cover today, I want you to send me a message. You can do it on Instagram. My username is at Ted Shuttlesworth. You can do it as an at reply on Twitter. My username there is at T Shuttlesworth. And, uh, obviously you can send a message to our Facebook page or, uh, email me at Ted at miracleword.com but I want to hear from you and also take a minute and share this today because people need to hear this, uh, episode and they need to understand these things from this podcast today, because this is a massive, massive, uh, roadblock or an obstacle to people operating in the power of the Holy ghost. Cause understand this before I jump in. When I say it's an obstacle to people operating in the Holy Ghost, here's why I say that. We don't get filled with the Holy Spirit so that we can speak in tongues. Speaking in tongues is just the initial evidence of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Jesus taught that we get filled with the Holy Spirit so that we can receive power to be witnesses. So the, the main reason to be filled with the Holy Ghost, uh, other than the fact that it was a command from Christ is because it gives you power to become an effective witness for Jesus Christ. And the initial evidence according to the book of Acts, the New Testament examples we have that you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit is that you will speak with other tongues as they did in every instance in the New Testament. So, I want to I want to break these down, these three dangerous lies about speaking in tongues. Number 1, and if you're taking notes, I would encourage you to write these down as well as the scriptures that we're going to reference as well. But number one, the first lie that's told about speaking in tongues is that when you get the gift of speaking in tongues, it's actually the ability to speak a foreign language for the purpose of evangelism. When you get filled with the gift of speaking in tongues, it's actually the ability to speak a foreign language for the purpose of evangelism. And actually, uh, in the early days of Pentecost in America, the Azusa Street Revival in California, this was a belief that was commonly held even at that time. And if you study Pentecostal history, one of the things you'll find is that because they believed this misconception about speaking in tongues, they would actually lay hands on people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the ability to speak in tongues, which they considered to be foreign languages. And then these people would become missionaries and would travel to other countries believing that when they got there, their ability to speak in tongues was going to be their ability to speak the foreign language of that nation and allow them to effectively minister the gospel in that nation. And it was not happening. They would get there and not be able to speak the foreign language of that nation and have to come home to America because it didn't function as they thought it was going to function. And the reason for that is that that's not what speaking in speaking in tongues is. That's not what that's not how speaking in tongues functions or operates. When God baptizes you in the Holy Spirit and you begin to speak with other tongues or as Jesus said in the Great Commission they'll speak with new tongues. Uh, it is not the ability to speak in a foreign language. Now, let me put a caveat in here and let you know, I'm not saying that God can't give you the ability supernaturally to speak a foreign language. I know stories and occasions where it has happened, where, you know, God has empowered somebody to speak a foreign language. Um, and even if they thought they were speaking in tongues, um, and, and I'm going to get into why in a moment, but, uh, there's a great book you can read on this subject and the book is actually entitled, um, before we kill and eat you before we kill and eat you, um, by, I believe it's John Garlock. And this is the story of when they were ministering overseas in a nation where there were villages of cannibals. And when they went in, uh, they began to, they wanted to minister to these, uh, People in the, these villages, but they took them captive and had them bound and were actually getting ready to kill and eat them, <laughs> as the title of the book suggests. And uh, they couldn't think of anything else to do. They were in captivity, getting ready to be eaten by cannibals. And they said, Well, let's just start speaking in tongues. And as they did, they started speaking in tongues and uh, the cannibals begin to hear what they were saying in their native known language. And they were preaching the gospel to the cannibals as they thought they were just speaking in tongues. Now, uh, this is, this is going to go into this first point that we're talking about where people believe that the, uh, ability to speak in tongues or the gift of speaking in tongues is always unknown foreign language, which the Bible does not teach. Um, but, in this instance, in this case, God allowed what they were speaking to be heard by the cannibals as their known language and allowed them to hear the gospel. Now, I want to talk to you about scripturally why this is, there, there's a correlation between this story and the book of Acts chapter 2. Because the argument that people will always make for the fact that speaking in tongues is always a foreign language that's known is they'll go to Acts chapter 2 and they will read what the Bible says happened on the day of Pentecost, which is obviously the first time that we see uh, a group of people being baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. So I'm going to turn there right now and I'm going to read you this passage. And this is what the Bible says, Uh, Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Verse 5 And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together, and they were confused because. Now, this is a very important verse, verse 6 of Acts 2. They were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, Are not these all who speak Galileans? Now, let me stop there. That's Acts chapter two, verses one through seven. And people take this passage of scripture and say, see, when God fills you with the Holy Spirit, he is filling you with the ability to speak a foreign language as a sign and a wonder and a purpose for evangelism. Because as you know, if you read the rest of Acts chapter two, Peter stood up after being filled with the Holy Spirit, preached a message and 3,000 people were saved on that day and added to the church. But I want you to understand something that's very important to understand. Uh, when you study scripture, especially in the New Testament, you'll see two different types of things happening. Number one, you'll read something that is narrative narrative or it's telling you a story or just explaining to you what happened. And then you will see teaching, for example, like the epistles, the apostle Paul's letters to the churches or Peter's letter, James, whatever. Uh, These are what's called didactic, or these are teaching. These are actually telling you specifically or teaching you something specifically. Acts chapter two is telling us a story, but Paul goes on later to explain and teach us specifically about the subject of speaking in tongues. So you can't take a narrative story and try to make it a teaching because it's not a teaching. It's just telling you a story. You have to take the actual teaching. Maybe if Acts chapter 2 was the only place in the Bible that we have um a record of, you know, speaking in tongues, then we would have to use it as our only evidence to then conclude what God means by speaking in tongues and what his purpose is for speaking in tongues. But it's not the only evidence we have in the New Testament. There's plenty of areas we can go to and receive teaching regarding speaking in tongues. But I want to draw your attention to one of the passages here in Acts 2, what we just read, because it's very important. It's not that See, my my contention is, and and there are other scholars that agree, I'm not a scholar, but there are other scholars that agree with this, that when they spoke in tongues, which is according to scripture, is always a spiritual, heavenly language, it is always, so write this in your notes, speaking in tongues is always a spiritual, heavenly language, It is not a language of earth. It is not a foreign language, which I'll prove to you from scripture in a moment. It is not a foreign language. It is a heavenly spiritual language. Very interesting to look at Acts chapter 2 here. Look at verse 6 again. And when the sound of them speaking in tongues occurred, the multitude came together, all these men from every nation under heaven, and were confused because they heard them. Now this is so important because everyone in the crowd of Jews heard them. The 120 disciples in the upper room speak in his own language. Notice what's happening here. It's not that 120 disciples were speaking every language under heaven and, you know, two or three were speaking this language, two or three were speaking Greek, two or three were speaking Italian, two or three were speaking, you know, Arabic. It wasn't working that way. According to scripture, each one of the devout Jews heard all of the 120 speaking in his native language, which means all of these men that came from every nation under heaven, when each one of them heard the 120, each individual man heard the entire group of disciples speaking his foreign language. That's a miracle. Because it, that there's no way that the 120 disciples were speaking every known language under heaven simultaneously. It didn't say that each man heard two or three speaking in his language, and then the other one heard two or three speaking in his language. All 120, they heard speaking in their own native language. So based on other scriptures that I'll show you in a moment, because the word of god has to line up there has to be a congruent teaching throughout the entire word of god regarding a subject and this is the only place that anyone ever uses to contend that speaking in tongues is a foreign language my contention is as it's always a spiritual language that on this day god did the same thing for these men in acts 2 that he did for those that in the book that i was referencing that where the cannibals were and many other stories my for example i'll give you another one when my grandfather was pastoring when my father and his brothers were young he went to a ymca one afternoon to allow to let his kids swim and he met a man there from greece and the man was new to the united states and spoke broken english but was fluent in greek and my grandfather invited him to come to church the next day at his church and hear him preach well, the man came well during the service, a woman in my grandfather's church stood up during the service and began, began to give a word in tongues and no one interpreted. And she sat back down. Well, the man came forward and got saved. But after the service, he came to my grandfather and he said, I want to meet that woman in your church. That's from Greece. And my grandfather was confused. He said, there's, there's no women in our church that are from Greece. He said, no, the woman that stood up and spoke to me. He said, she spoke to me in perfect Greek and told me where I was from and that I needed to be saved and all these different things. And, and he said, I want to, he said, no, no, she doesn't speak Greek. And so the same thing happened on that day, that in my grandfather's church, a woman got up to speak in a heavenly language and God interpreted it for that Greek man same thing that happened for the cannibals and the same thing that clearly happened here in Acts chapter 2 is that as they spoke in their heavenly language, God interpreted everything the 120 saying were saying to each individual man who had come from every nation under heaven. And here's why I say that because I want you to look with me into First Corinthians chapter 14. Now this is teaching regarding speaking in tongues. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul writes this letter to the Corinthian church for the purpose of explaining and teaching in portions the gifts of the Spirit. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, uh, verse 1, let's start with verse 1. The Bible says, Paul's teaching them here, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Now look at verse two. For he who speaks in a tongue, or speaks in tongues, does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. Do you see that? So Paul is giving an actual didactic teaching on the subject of speaking in tongues, and he's saying And he's, and in this context, by the way, he's actually talking to them about what they should be doing in a public church service so that there's not confusion and so that there's not chaos. And he speaks to them and he says, I want you to pursue spiritual gifts, but especially that you prophesy. He's talking about prophecy in your known language in a, in a church service. And the reason for that, he gives the reason why he would choose prophecy over tongues. And he said, because the person who speaks in tongues is not speaking unto men, but to God, because no one understands him. No man understands him. But in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies, verse three, speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. Verse four, he who speaks in tongues is edifying himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. Now, verse five is very important. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks in tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church might receive edification. Now, look at verse six. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking in tongues... What, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying or teaching? See that? So Paul is trying to teach them here that when somebody speaks in tongues, no one can understand it. Why? He's speaking unto God, not unto men. He speaks mysteries in the spirit. So Paul here clearly tells us what speaking in tongues is. It is a mysterious spiritual language in which you are speaking unto God and not unto men. These are the same tongues that were taking place on the day of Pentecost. That was the initial time. That was the first time that speaking in tongues was poured out to believers or men on the earth. And God didn't change it. You know, it's not that in Acts 2 it was foreign languages, but then every other time in the New Testament it was a spiritual language. No, God is consistent. God didn't change. And there's no evidence that that was ever the case, by the way, in Scripture. So the first dangerous lie about speaking in tongues is that it's the ability to speak a foreign language for the purpose of evangelism. That's not found anywhere in Scripture. Paul doesn't teach that. Did you know you can go back through all of Paul's writings to the church who wrote, you know, almost one third of the. New Testament, Paul, you can go back to any and all of his teachings to the New Testament and you won't find any instruction whatsoever about how to get filled with a foreign language to then use as a means of evangelism for unbelievers, because that's not God's purpose. That's not how he works. That's not what tongues are for. That's not what tongues are for. Um, And so one of the misconceptions about tongues is that it's a foreign language. And so if you listen to a lot of people today, especially people that are critical of the Pentecostal movement, people that are critical of those of us who are charismatic or Pentecostal and believe in the gifts of the Spirit in operation today, you listen to some that are uh, you know, obviously Baptists, Presbyterians, people that are maybe cessationists. And what that term means is they believe that the Holy Spirit's operation ceased after the early church was established and after the canon was established of God's word so that we don't need the moving of the Spirit anymore like they did back then because the church was not yet established. And that's the only reason the Holy Spirit was moving in signs, wonders, and miracles is because he was setting up his church. But once it was established, we don't need it anymore. There's no evidence for that in the Bible either. But uh, they will take that and use it to say that those of us who speak in tongues today are just speaking in some made-up gibberish that's nothing it's and and many of them will tell you it's actually done by demonic manifestation and it's a demonic utterance and some will teach you that when you know people that are speaking in tongues are actually demon possessed because that's not the spirit of god that's some demonic deception uh for the church but If you look at Paul's teaching, Paul never taught, never taught that speaking in tongues was a known language. He always taught it was a spiritual language that you were speaking unto God and not unto men. And unless there was an interpretation, men would not understand what was being said. And so he said, I would rather that in a public assembly you prophesy rather than speak in tongues, because if you prophesy, it's done in your known language and people can readily understand what you're saying and be encouraged by it. But he also says, if you speak in tongues, you will personally be encouraged by it. So it's a spiritual language. So number one, the ability to speak in tongues is not a foreign language. It is a spiritual language, a heavenly language in which you're speaking unto God and not unto men. Number two, the second dangerous lie about speaking in tongues is that it's a gift that's not for every believer to receive, but God sovereignly chooses who receives that gift. They'll say, well, you know, maybe that maybe speaking in tongues is a real thing, but you know, it's not for everybody. You know, you shouldn't, you know, if you don't get it, you know, that's just God telling you it's not your gift. You know, you should believe for another gift. maybe yours is the gift of charity or maybe yours is the gift of, you know, intercessory prayer, but, but speaking in tongues is not for you. That's also not taught in the new Testament. And people will turn to Paul's teaching to the Corinthians at the end in in this, uh, in this passages uh, of scripture here and where, where Paul asks the question, you know, do all speak with tongues? Do all prophesy? Do all work miracles? And so he's first, one of the things we need to understand about what Paul was teaching to the church in Corinth is that he's teaching them that there are many members of the body of Christ. And that all of the members are honorable. All of the members of the body of Christ are valuable. That they're not insignificant. And you shouldn't think yourself insignificant if you're not operating in the same manifestation as somebody else. And if you read First Corinthians chapter twelve, uh, read verses twelve all the way down through the end of the chapter, verse thirty-one. And he goes through all that and he talks about do you really think that there are members of the body that are not needed? He said what about your normal body? Uh, for example, he said um, in verse 15 of 1 Corinthians 12, if the foot should say because I'm not a hand, I'm not part of the body. Is he therefore not part of the body? And if the ear should say because I'm not an eye, I'm not part of the body. Is it therefore not part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? And if the whole If the whole body were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? So he's talking and teaching about the fact that every part of the body of Christ is valuable. And your purpose, your calling and your purpose really define which of the gifts that you need. But it doesn't mean you don't have the ability to operate in any of the gifts of the Spirit. Because remember this you are filled with the giver of the gifts. You never get filled with a gift. You get filled with the giver of the gift. I'm not baptized in tongues. I'm not baptized in miracles. I'm not baptized in the word of knowledge or the word of wisdom. I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit. And the Bible clearly teaches, Paul taught them here in 1 Corinthians 12, that it is the Holy Spirit Understand like 1 Corinthians 12, four, there are diversities of the, of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but it's the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. You're not baptized in tongues. You're baptized in the Holy Spirit. And because you've received the Holy Spirit, you've received the giver of the gifts, In fact, go all the way back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. You know, if you want to go up to the beginning of this letter, and Paul clearly tells this church, who, by the way, this church was the most immature church in the entire body at the time. Most immature. They had issues, like serious issues, going on in their church of sin. But notice this, they also had manifestations of the Holy Ghost. But listen to what Paul tells them in the first part of his letter, 1 Corinthians 1 verses 5 through 7. Let's actually go from 4 through 7. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God, which was given to you by Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in everything by him in all utterance and all knowledge, even at as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, verse seven, this is so important, so that you come short or lack in no gift. Do you see that? Eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. First Corinthians 1, seven, he told the Corinthian church, you don't lack any gift, not one. You lack no gift. So he wasn't using what, what is now the 12th chapter of first Corinthians to teach them that some of them lack certain gifts and some of them lack other gifts. It's not what he was saying. It's not the context. The context is everyone's valuable, no matter which gift you're operating in. Everyone's valuable, no matter what your calling or purpose is. And so that's what he's teaching. So if they take that scripture and say, uh, you know, and I'll read it to you verse 29 through 31, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But verse 31, but earnestly desire the best gifts. So why would he tell you to desire gifts if you can't have them? It's that That's foolishness. Desire earnestly the best gifts. You shouldn't desire something that you could never have. And if it's God sovereignly giving things to people, it would be wrong because what you're saying is, God, I don't like the fact that you've chosen me not to have those things, so I'm going to continue to desire them even though you've said they're sovereignly not for me. No. Just because everybody is not operating in miracles doesn't mean every believer can't. The Great Commission tells us, they shall lay their hands on the sick and they shall recover. Just because you haven't ever seen that happen in your life doesn't mean you can't. It just means you haven't yet. Do all speak with tongues? Just because every believer has not spoken with tongues does not mean every believer cannot. It just means they haven't yet. And then he said, earnestly desire the best gifts. So you understand that uh, when when people say, you know, well, that's not for every believer. That's not true. It's not found in scripture. In fact, let me go into uh, the book of Acts and show you that in every place where people were filled with the Holy Ghost, every one of them was immediately speaking with tongues or it's implied that they were speaking with tongues. Example, Acts chapter 2, 120 were in the upper room per Christ's command. And when the Holy Ghost came, they were all baptized in the Holy Spirit and they all spoke with other tongues, all 120 of them. Notice 120 weren't there and only 80 of them got tongues. No, all of them. All of them that were obedient to Christ's command to wait for the Holy Ghost got it. They all got it. Go to Acts chapter 8. Peter and John come from Jerusalem after, um, after the gospel had been preached by Philip in Samaria and the whole city had seen signs and wonders, and then many had received Jesus as their savior, immediately Peter and John come for the very purpose of getting those new believers filled with the Holy Ghost. And what happened? They laid their hands upon them, and the Bible says, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And here it's implied that they all spoke with tongues because uh, as they were filled with the Holy Spirit, which by the way is an inward work, being filled with the Holy Spirit is an inward work, you can't see it on the outward unless there's an evidence of it. And Simon the sorcerer saw an evidence of it as people were being filled with the Holy Spirit and offered to buy that power from Peter and John, and they rebuked him. What did Simon the sorcerer see that that allowed him to understand something supernatural was taking place as they were being filled with the Holy Spirit? My belief and the belief of many, many other scholars is that they, he saw them speaking in tongues after hands were laid upon them because there's no outward sign initially other than that, according to scripture. Next, let's go to Acts chapter 10. You see Cornelius's household as Peter preaches the gospel to them. He was sent there to preach the gospel to these Italians. And as he's preaching the gospel, all of them believe and are saved and are filled with the Holy Spirit and begin to speak with other tongues and prophesy. Notice once again, it was not a portion of Cornelius's household that was filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with tongues. All of them that heard, that were in line to receive salvation and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, every last one of them received it, spoke in tongues and prophesied. All of them did. Next, let's go to Acts chapter 19. Paul is in Ephesus and finds 12 men there who were not yet saved. And he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit since you believed? They said, we've never even heard there is such a thing as the Holy Spirit. And he questions them. He said, "What what baptism were you baptized with? And they said, well, the baptism of John. So notice this. They had only been baptized in water. They'd not even been saved yet. And then he preaches the gospel to them and immediately they're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, meaning they get saved. And then immediately after they get saved, notice what Paul does, lays hands on them to receive the Holy Spirit. It's interesting to me that in none of these cases in the book of Acts, do any of these men of God ever seek the Lord or ask God which of the believers they should lay hands on Uh, which of them are supposed to receive the baptism in uh, the Holy Spirit and speaking with other tongues. They just lay hands on all the new believers. Same as Paul did here with the 12 men. And immediately they're baptized with the Holy Spirit and begin to speak with tongues and prophesy. All 12 of them did it. All 12 of them did it. God didn't sovereignly pick and choose which of them did. They all did. So in every instance in the book of Acts that we have, Every single one that's in line to receive, receives and speaks with tongues. Very interesting. And then obviously in chapter eight, it's implied that that happened. And no man of God ever consults the Lord, which ones are supposed to receive this. They just lay hands and pray. So the second dangerous lie about speaking in tongues is it's a gift that's not for every believer to receive. That's not taught in scripture. That's not the context of 1 Corinthians 12, and it's not the picture that we see in the book of Acts in every instance of people receiving the Holy Ghost. Number three, and finally, the third dangerous lie about speaking in tongues is that anytime someone speaks in tongues, there must be an interpretation or it's out of order. So people have this issue because they don't understand the difference between the personal gift of tongues and the gift of tongues with interpretation. So the gift of tongues and interpretation is different than your personal prayer language of being able to speak with other tongues when you get saved. As Paul was teaching them in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 14, if there is a word in tongues in the New Testament in a church service then there's supposed to be an interpretation for those believers otherwise those believers are not val don't, they don't receive the value of what's being said by God because they don't have understanding of what's being said unless there's prophecy and so on that in that case there should be according to the Apostle Paul, an interpretation of the word in tongues that is given. However, if you look through the book of Acts in every other instance of speaking in tongues, notice that no one stood to interpret on on the day of Pentecost. Nobody stood to interpret the tongues that were being spoken. As I said to you, I believe that it was God who interpreted for the Jews so that they could hear What was being said as a sign and a wonder, but notice none of the believers stood and interpreted what was spoken. Notice that in Acts chapter 4, when they were all filled with the Holy Ghost again, it doesn't say anything about anyone interpreting. Notice in Acts chapter 8, even though it's implied, we don't have any record of anybody interpreting anything. In Acts chapter 10, When people were speaking in tongues, we have no record of anyone interpreting anything. And a very interesting one, Acts chapter 19, once again, where Paul's in Ephesus, we've got no record here of any of those 12 men interpreting what's being said in tongues. And notice, here's a further note. Not only did no one interpret, Paul did not rebuke them for having no interpretation. Paul, who was the one, who gave this instruction regarding interpretation in a public setting, notice that when these men began to speak with tongues at the same time, he did not rebuke them for all speaking in tongues at once and no one interpreting. This is because Paul understood, as he told the Corinthians, I speak in tongues more than all of you. Notice he didn't say, I speak in tongues and interpret more than all of you. He just said, I speak in tongues more than all of you. Because Paul understood that there is a personal prayer language that doesn't always need to be interpreted. Only if you're in a assembly or a church service where people have come to worship and someone stands up to give a word to the body, does there need to be an interpretation. But this lie that anytime time someone speaks in tongues, there's got to be an interpretation or it's out of order is not scriptural and it's not what we see in the early church. It's not what we see in the book of Acts. And the reason these are dangerous is because all three of these discourage people from praying in the spirit. Now, let me just say this. There's no foreign language you can speak that would cause you to be spiritually edified as Paul taught that speaking in tongues did in first Corinthians fourteen four. four, a man who speaks in tongues encourages or edifies himself, you can't speak Cantonese or Arabic and, and stir up your spirit. That's not, they don't have that ability or function in that no known language. But speaking in a heavenly language does do that. According to Jude chapter 20, speaking in tongues builds up your most holy faith. Praying in the spirit. And Paul used those two phrases interchangeably, by the way, because I've heard people argue, well, praying in the spirit doesn't mean speaking in tongues, it means praying inspired by the power of the Spirit. No, Paul used the phrase praying in the Spirit uh, because he said it this way, I will pray in the Spirit and I will pray with my understanding. So what he's actually referencing in 1 Corinthians is that I will pray in tongues, in my unknown language, and I'll also pray in my known language. So understand these three lies, they try to deter people from receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, praying in unknown tongues, and stepping out in faith to build up their spirit man by doing these things. And it's, attack. it's an attack of the devil because the devil knows that it's one of the keys that builds you up spiritually and puts you in position to operate in the power of God. And I'm going to pray for you in a moment that God would give you a hunger and a desire to spend more time than you ever have praying in the Holy Ghost And also begin to lay hands on other people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Father, in Jesus' name, for every man and woman listening to this podcast today, I pray that you'd give them a hunger and a desire to speak with other tongues on a regular basis, as Paul said, to begin to do it more, more, more than even others do. Because we understand there are many benefits to speaking in tongues. We thank you, Lord, for this heavenly gift. We thank you that the Holy Spirit lives in us, dwells in us, that we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. So I pray now that you would give them a conviction and a desire and a hunger to speak in tongues more than ever before and to take significant time a day to do that in the mighty name of Jesus. I thank you for it, and I give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Listen, thank you for listening again today. I hope you're praying and fasting with us and expecting great things. Take at least an hour a day to pray. And in that time, spend significant amount of time praying in the Holy Ghost and then throughout your day. Watch as your spirit is strengthened and you're encouraged and your faith is built up and stirred up for action. I know God's gonna use you in 2019 more than ever before. Until Wednesday, remember, goodness and mercy are following you for the rest of your life. Talk to you soon. We would love for you to join us in a live service. To find out when Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. will be near you, please visit our website at www.miracleword.com.